The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and this is episode 200 and something, maybe 227, not really sure. Um, Just a reminder that this podcast is all about offering hope and putting out messages of different things that might be of help to those who are addicted or loved ones of those who are addicted. We have a YouTube channel. If you can check out our YouTube channel and subscribe, that's great. And please also subscribe to the audio podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we have an interview with a lady named Kim Bellis. And Kim is not a former addict, not a former alcoholic, but did drink alcohol on a fairly regular basis until she found that her son suffered from seizures. And so he could not drink when he went to parties. And in trying to convince her son that you could still be cool and not drink, she realized that she had to, first of all, set an example for him and not drink. So the first challenge was three months, and she did that, and now she's been eight years sober without drinking at all. She started an organization called Sober is the New Cool, and let's talk to Kim and find out her story. Okay, Kim, is it Bellas or Bellas? Bellas. Bellas. Kim Bellas, thank you for being on the podcast today and being willing to share your story. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. We know that stories like yours, they resonate with people. And we figure if we can tell enough different stories with enough different viewpoints, we can start to make a little bit of a dent in this addiction pandemic, which is, don't get me started on that because it's way bigger and worse than COVID could ever hope to be. But uh, there you go. Okay, so enough of my soapbox. Kim, where are you from? How did, you know, tell us about how you grew up and what your family was like and how you then moved on from there. So basically, I'm from Montreal, Canada. Uh, I had a great childhood, um, but we did have alcohol in our family. There was always an underlying issue. And as we know, we are predisposed by genes as time goes on. Um, you can miss a generation or not. Um, so basically I was just, you know, uh, going along my life, having okay life, doing volunteer work, working, doing whatever. I looked like the perfect little pitcher, shall we say, (laughs) I had two kids, Jack and Matthew and my Matthew at age 13 started to have grand seizures. Uh, so life changed and really took a turn like crazy. So at 13, he couldn't ride a bike, no more football, no more sports. Uh, Medication had to come into the picture because this is going to be his life from now on, having epilepsy. And as a mom, I just figured, you know, you know, we're going to fix this. And, you know, I was stressed, to say the least. Um, So, you know, I always did have my martinis and my glass of wine, but I looked like the fun party girl, you know, period. No, you know, falling down or, you know, completely out of control or so it looked like from the outside. 
And my son, Matthew, um, after we got his medicine kind of fixed, I said, okay, now we've got to get back. You know, we've got to start living life again. So I said, you got to start going out with your buddies again. And, you know, boys can be boys, beer, uh, little bottles of uh, alcohol in the backpack. I think girls so I, can be girls, too. Well, right? exactly. it's, not just a boy, it's not just a guy thing. <laughs> well, I only have two boys. So oh, there you go. As did I, so I get it. <laughs> so basically, after the third or fourth time, I brought him to a party. He would come home 40 minutes after I'd drop him off. And I said to him, I said, okay, Matt, this is not working. What's going on? I sat down quietly with him. And I said, you know, you could still have fun without alcohol because alcohol and his medication just don't work so um as i was saying it i looked in my hand and there i had a huge glass of wine Mm. and i thought wow you are such a hypocrite so at that moment i said okay i'm going to do something with you i am going to stop drinking for three months so three months came and went and i have to tell you it was quite hard i went i got hypnotized i did everything to set myself up uh like not to fail because I was doing it for him. And I guess I loved him more than I loved myself at that time. And so the three months came and went and he said, see mom, now you can be like everybody else and drink and have fun. And I thought, okay, no, I'm going to do this another three months. And now it's eight years later. Wow. And I've never had another drink or a sip, but I realized I was 52 at the time when I stopped drinking. People would say to me everywhere I went, oh, come here. Nobody will know. You can have just one drink with me. And I thought, no. I mean, how can I look at my son? And I mean, that's so dishonest. So I said, no, no. And I thought, if this is so socially hard for him, I can't imagine, you know, for me, I mean, how could that be for him? Yeah. A young teenager. So the first year... Uh, I have to say, I didn't go to uh, almost any restaurants because that's when I kind of realized um, this restaurant went with red wine, this restaurant went with martinis, and so on and so forth. Isn't that interesting? That yeah, that that uh, yeah, that restaurants kind of equated to you know different triggers and, yeah. and triggers, yep. you know. Yep. So, and you know, one thing I was going to say too, because you were talking about in your family, um, like. I don't particularly feel that genetically I'm predisposed to drink, and I do like a glass of wine now and again. But I will say that it can become a habit. Like my parents, pretty much for most of their adult life, they had two Manhattans every night at 5 o'clock. And if they were traveling, because they got a motor home and they would travel all over the country, um, they would have the big bottle of bourbon with them. And somewhere in their, I think it was in their late 70s, they just decided that um, they didn't want the calories, and they just stopped. And, you know, occasionally they were in a big assisted living facility, and occasionally they would, you know, have a drink if there were drinks there, but they just didn't do it regularly anymore. And, you know, anyway, I don't know why I had to enter that story in, but... You know, it, it just it was just a social thing to do is to yeah. have a drink or have a cocktail or a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think our, you know, weddings, uh, you know, wherever you go, that's the kind of the thing that people do when they get yep. together. And for me, I guess I just kind of got into that mummy habit, that wine culture club. 
And so when I decided to stop, the first year was touchy and I did find it was hard because I, I kind of had to figure out how to kind of get life back to normal. And now I swear I just can't ever see missing another memory again with one glass of wine because it's just I'm my life is so much better now than it ever was. So I guess I reinvented myself at 52 and I'm happy about it. And I, and I think that's awesome. And I would imagine that probably, you know, one of the difficulties, you know, would be that other people don't necessarily have to think that you're judging them because you no. don't want to drink. It really no. has absolutely nothing to do with them. I probably, I would say 90% of my friends, um, don't drink alcohol for one reason or another. And so if I'm hanging out with them, it's just, it's fascinating that we can just be the life of the party or the life of the restaurant or the life of the lounge. And none of us have any alcohol, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, which I think is what you are doing with your group. Yes. And so I started sober as the new cool uh, originally just for him just for him to know that uh, because our kids, well, my kids don't drink and drive. They never have. And I thought, okay, we used to. So there is something evolving. We've got yeah. something going here because yeah. people said, no, you can't say sober and cool in the same sentence. So I said, well, I guess I'll prove you wrong. And so we started sober as the new cool. I would and beg to I, differ with whoever said that. You, sober well, and cool can definitely be in the same sentence. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so here we are eight years later. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. So we have people from all over the world that reach out to us, and I do different things. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I have zero judgment. I ask them to, when they start, when they're looking for something, I'll say we can do an I am exercise, which Every morning and every night, I ask them to put their hand on their heart and repeat after me, I am. And I send them a, a series of words, morning and night, one word. With, um, so it's a positive word. It could be funny. It could be creative. It could be blessed. It could be magnificent, spectacular, sporty, uh, 
well-read, dedicated, uh, all kinds of different words, just to rebuild their self-esteem. And um, so we just try and be there and we answer emails, we answer text messages. I have people in London. I have this young girl, um, she's Sober Badger, AKA Natty. We did a tattoo together. She was feeling a little lost. Show it to me, I I couldn't see it very well. Sorry, Uh, wait a sec, there we go. So oh. it's the infinity sign yes. with a white heart and a pink heart. Oh, I love that. Because most of my uh, posts always have a white heart with the infinity sign. And so she showed me how to fix that uh, properly because I wasn't doing such a great job at the beginning before I hired a media expert. And so she said, would you do a tattoo with me? And at first I thought, oh, I'm kind of more ribbons and bows. But then I thought if it was my son, and he needed someone to um, do a tattoo and, and for them to be able to look at that every day and know that they belong or whatever. So there we did. She was on WhatsApp. She was in London, England. I was in Montreal, Canada. And we did our tattoos at the same time. And we're forever one. And uh, I just feel that, you know, mental health and addiction do um, go hand in hand a lot yep. of the times. Yep. And um, I think addiction is just the band-aid, but that's my idea. No, so, I agree. Uh, ba- what I, we always say is addiction is the solution to the problem, and there is an underlying problem, whether it's self-esteem. I think that's probably 90% of it. Self-esteem, boredom, acting out, whatever. The the addiction ends up being the solution to that problem, whatever it is. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yep. So... I feel that, you know, checking in and connection is key. You just don't say you're going to be there and not be there. So um, we have quite, at one point, uh, she had a little hiccup and I had posted something because we have white hoodies also and a lot of women and men wear them. And so we put a post out saying you are not alone. And it went viral from California to Sweden to all over the world saying to Natty, we're here, we love you, we, we, we will always support you. And you know what, it was just a moment that I thought, okay, you know, because uh, to me, if we can help one person stop drinking for one day, a week, a month, or a year, we've succeeded. And no drinking and driving, obviously, and just, you know, being there and supporting each other. I, I think it's huge. I think that, you know, uh, being sober or being in recovery, it is kind of a one day at a time. Um, it is a one day at a time frame of thinking. And so, you know, you, you have to wake up every morning and decide that, you know, this day you're going to be sober and you're not going to drink or this day you're not going to do drugs. And I think that sometimes you need the support because anybody who has, not been addicted in some way does not necessarily understand what someone who is in recovery is going through. And I think that the fact that you have a group there, it's huge. And and I have to say, when I do reach out and I say, you know, I see someone struggling a bit, uh, everybody really just pulls up and starts, you know, texting one another and really, really supporting each other. And I'm amazed every day at how much goodness there really is in this world. 
It's huge. It's absolutely huge. So you have a website, soberisthenewcool.org, and you sell things on your website? I went there, but I didn't look at it carefully. Okay. Yeah, we have t-shirts. I'm wearing a t-shirt today because it's summer, but we have t-shirts and and hoodies. Okay. And we give back to mental health. Uh, There's a foundation called the Douglas Foundation here in Montreal uh, because we, my son and I, did go through a lot of therapy because Obviously, he got depressed when you can't do anything at 13, no sports, whatever. And I think, uh, you know, this was a gift for me that this happened to him because I've gotten a better life and we're helping others. And these T-shirts, really, we have grandmothers uh, that have stopped drinking or young girls and men, fathers, sons. And they wear this T-shirt. And when they send me pictures from all over the world, the smile is absolutely incredible. So, sure. <laughs> you know, they really, yeah. they're proud. They're proud to say they're sober and yep. loving life. So yep. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, Kim, if you had a message for, um, I don't know, maybe parents who are in a similar situation, what would that message be? Well, I guess zero judgment. Start with that and be there and don't give up. Don't ever give up Uh, because our kids need us. Our sisters, our brothers, our our families need us. And everybody has insecurities. Um, Everybody's self-worth needs to be lifted. And I think if we're there and we're kind and we stop, and listen, which I did learn in therapy many times that I was told, oh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, let them talk. So um, just be there and try and read between the lines because often what's not said is where the problem lies. Exactly, exactly. Kim, thank you so much for being willing to be with us today and tell your story and a little bit of your son's story. And so it, what's, going, what's going forth? Are you just going to continue to do the website or do you? Well, you should... we are in the process of becoming a nonprofit organization. Okay. Um, I have, you know, people from all over the world that do need help and different kinds of help. Yeah. Um, I would love to see the I Am poster in every uh, hospital or addiction clinic where there's just positive words in different languages, because if one word can just say to somebody, I am worth it, or I am enough, and I have a chance of something better, so be it. So we're here, and we're going to continue to help everybody, or as many people as we can, every single day, uh, because it gives us much more joy, and we are honored that they trust us enough to share their stories also. That's awesome. You know, you made me, just as a side note, you made me think of the movie um, The Help. I don't know if you've seen that yes, film. Yes, but but the But the woman who takes care of the little girl and she continuously says, you're always kind, yes. you're always special, you're always important. And it's just, I mean, those three words just alone. I, it's, you made me think of that when you talked about, about your message. I think that what you're doing is huge. I think um, that... You are helping so many people, and you are putting out a message that is so important. And I cannot thank you enough for talking to us today. Well, thank you. And if I've ever I can do anything for you or someone else that needs me, I'm here, and I'm 
arms wide open. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Kim Bellis. I think um, she's got a great message, similar to one in an earlier podcast with Duke Rumley. Um, that, and that idea, that message is that you can have fun, you can go to places where there's entertainment, you can go to parties, and you don't have to drink, you don't have to do drugs, you can be sober, and sober, in fact, is cool. Um, yeah, I disagree with whoever told her that you can't say sober and cool in the same sentence because that's a kind of a ridiculous statement right there. Um, so check out her website. Um, it is soberisthenewcool.ca. Um, you can find it at .org, but they actually have it at .ca now. So check it out. We'll be back next week with another interview. And if you or someone you know needs help, please don't wait. Do it now. Let's get a control over this pandemic. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.